You're listening to the Gratefully Nourished Podcast, a podcast about healing your relationship with food and body image with Jesus at the center. I'm your host and registered dietitian, Alyssa Pike. Hey everyone, and welcome back to our podcast book club for Sacred Rhythms. Kylie Mitchell is joining me again, and today we're going to talk about chapter two, which was about solitude. So Kylie, how are you doing and what did you think? Hello, um, I am doing good. Um, I really like this chapter because I've I've been reading her other book too, Invitation to Silence and Solitude, which I feel like is like a deep dive into silence and solitude. And this chapter was all about solitude, creating space for God. And I feel like one of my favorite things was like her sharing that like solitude still isn't easy for her. Like it seems like as she shared her life experiences, she had these seasons of like getting dysregulated and then like stepping back into solitude and silence to have God regulate her again. And I just feel that so much in my own life. Like why does everything feel chaotic and crazy anymore or again? And like, I I just liked her example of that. And I also really liked when she was talking about like for most of us, like the first step into solitude or the first thing solitude needs to be is a place of rest before it can be anything else. Like we have to slow down Mm -hmm. and maybe even sleep before we will be capable of stepping into solitude. And if we're so tired and exhausted, like our spiritual rhythms, like they will falter, like we'll not be able to keep them up. Um, So those are some of my like initial takeaways. And I felt like this connected really well with um, our sermon from church on Sunday Uh, and our, one of our pastors was just like, you know, in, in solitude or like when you spend time with God, um, like the point of it is to experience the love of God and just the reminder that like, it's not our salvation that's at risk, but like not spending time with God. Um, what is at stake is our experience of the love of God, not our salvation. And I just felt like that was a really great reminder. Like this is for the benefit of us. This is to soothe, you know, our hearts and our desire for him, not for anything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so good. Hmm, I'm trying to think of what I want to respond to first. Um, I, I also found it very helpful and relatable when she was talking about sort of getting disoriented and then going back to solitude. I Just another reason that I think her um, writings are so helpful because they just seem so gentle. And actually, it's funny you say that about your sermon on Sunday because on Sunday at my church, we also were kind of talking a little bit about rhythms and just how we kind of all feel disoriented or we have essentially since the pandemic began. And just the idea that God is so loving and compassionate and like he wants to invite us back in. I think sometimes we think otherwise. We kind of think like, oh, I've been away too long or I've been really busy. And we sort of just allow that to continue to separate us from Jesus And 
just this idea that he is very compassionate and he's very, he's, he's waiting and waiting to hear from us. And I think at some point in the chapter, I'll have to find it. Oh, here it is. It says, the most essential question in solitude is how have I been wanting to be with God and how has God been wanting to be with me? And I just feel like that is something that I haven't really thought through. Like I think about, I suppose that I want to be with God, but I don't think a lot about how God actually wants to be with me. (laughs) So today, actually I took a break and I went on a walk and usually when I go on a walk, I'll take my phone and listen to music. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But today I was like, let's just not listen to music. Like, let's just kind of listen for God in the trees or in the birds or just like, I don't know, just be with him in this quiet moment. And it was really enjoyable. So that was probably the highlight of my day. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, now I'm trying to think of what part of that I want to respond to, but I also <laughs> like that question of like, you know, have I been wanting to be with God? How has God been wanting to be with me? And like, I feel so eager to share, like, this is like what happened in my solitude this morning. I'm still on my like 11 minute solitude. Um, and it's just like, there's so many reasons I could not do it. Like, I found like I need to get up, I need to have my coffee, I need to eat breakfast before I do it because I just can't like, um, I just don't want to roll right into it. Like I do better if like my blood sugar has been regulated and then mm-hmm. I can be a little more peaceful. Um, but Mondays are a more flexible morning for me um, and my kids were sleeping in because of daylight savings time. Like everyone was just like all confused and didn't know what time it is. But I like how Ruth said in the book, like, you know, your time in solitude with God, like, this is a place within us that is private and reserved for only you and God. Because I can be like so eager to share, and I'm sure there's space for this, maybe in like, I don't know, more personal, intimate community. But I can be so eager to share, like, this is what happened, like, in that solitude this morning that was so profound to me. But I think there's some beauty in keeping that place private. Um, And Ruth recommended like reminding yourself, like, you know, in this place in the presence of God, like I am completely safe from others, judgmental glances, and this doesn't have to be shared with anything, anyone else. And I, Mm -hmm. I kind of liked that reminder. Like this isn't performative. Not that the reason I would share would be performative, but it'd be like, this is so great. Like, this is what happened. And it was so helpful for me this morning and like has really helped me get through this Monday. Um, but it's also nice just letting it be like this wonderful, intimate, like experience. Yeah. Yeah. It, it almost, I, I almost feel a little exhausted just generally when I do share, <laughs> like, I know that sounds silly cause it's not like a ton of effort to tell someone about this experience, but there are some days where I'm just like at capacity. And so even the thought of doing that, I think would exhaust me more. And I, I really liked even in this, I think it was page 30 or 31 where she talks about entering solitude. And when she was alone, 
She finally had the space to feel what she was feeling. She could begin acknowledging the truth that she had not known how to name before. And it was like all of a sudden she was awake to the level of overstimulation and exhaustion that she had come to associate with just her normal life. And I just like, simplicity is a hill that I will die on. Like I just, I think that this is so important. And when I say simplicity, I mean like, she she also talks about how overstimulation and exhaustion just shouldn't be the norm, but it is the norm. And I just, I think it's so helpful to simplify, but I think that also only goes so far. And so there are times where we just enter solitude and life isn't simple and it does feel chaotic, but that's our moment of rest. And it made me think too about disordered eating recovery or eating disorder recovery and how allowing yourself to get to the root of what you're feeling is is part of that process. And I don't know, I was just kind of like tying these ideas together as we're thinking about just talking about the importance of these rhythms and solitude in the context of recovery. And I don't really have it all figured out, but it's something that I'm just thinking through. Yeah, I, I like that part two like letting yourself in the presence of god like feel what you are feeling um and in the activity she shared at the end she was like you know in your practice of solitude first like notice notice what is true about you today and i feel like that's very in line with like notice what you're feeling um and i just think that's helpful and then the next call there was like you know noticing the difference between trying to fix that thing about you versus resting with it and being with it and, you know, uh, kind of stepping back and be like, I don't have the power to fix this. Um, only God will be able to fight for me in, in, in this one. Um, so that's kind of one thought I had, but then yes, I also feel like in the recovery process, like, what am I feeling? What do I need? I think that like that phrase got me through like two or three years of the recovery process. And I will say like, I feel like that was a lot easier without kids. It was just like, what am I feeling? What do I need? Both my husband and I were working. So we had like disposable income that we could like use to, you know, meet those physical needs, um, like a massage or a pedicure or something like that. That would be relaxing, but, you know, getting to the root of what is going on and and why we do the things we do um, can be so helpful. And I know Ruth said in the book, and I thought this was so good, like, we don't know how to live with our humanness. Like, we end up feeling guilty Mm -hmm. when we feel like grief or exhaustion or loneliness. Like, we, we don't know how to be human. And I was like, just, you know, like, hand raised, like, before we got on here, I was telling you, like, I was just exhausted this weekend to the point where my husband was like, are you okay? Because like, I was laying (laughs) in our backyard in the sun and I'm like, I literally cannot get up. I don't know if it's pregnancy or this medication I just started or this sinus infection I think I have, but like, I feel like there's no energy 
in my body. And it frustrated me so much. Like I like doing things and having fun with my kids and moving my body and cooking dinner and just having energy. And it's just like, it is so hard to live with my humanness. So I I really resonated with, Mm -hmm. with that part. Yeah. Yeah. And it's helpful to just say out loud, I think, too, at least for me, because I'm like, there are some days where I'm just like, I don't want to make dinner. <laughs> like, I used to really enjoy doing this, but that's for some reason I'm just like, I can't. I don't want to do it. Um, But I also get frustrated. And where was it? She talked about, oh, yeah, okay. She talked about on page 33 about how solitude is a place for the soul to come out. And she was saying that a lot the longing for solitude is also the longing to find ourselves, to be in touch with what is most real within us, that which is more solid and enduring than what defines us externally. And she was talking, and this relates, I think, to what you were saying too, like we are not very safe for ourselves because our internal experience involves continual critique and judgment and our soul just doesn't want to risk it. <laughs> so um, when a lot of our religious activity becomes noisy, we just, we we make all this noise and she says, there's not a soul in sight. And I literally wrote, ouch, <laughs> next to it because I was like, Oh gosh, yeah, like we are just I don't know, we we can we can do that if we're not intentional and and we're just not acknowledging our need and to acknowledge this humanness that we are we're all experiencing. Yes. That sentence and I I love her writing so much because I feel like she puts so many like intangibles for me into words. And that's funny to say because she also said like the point of silence and solitude is to not have to put anything into words to just be able to to be without making sense of things. Um, But when she said what you just said, we are not very safe for ourselves because our internal experience involves critique and judgment. That comes up for me so much in silence and solitude. Like it's, it's just, I am waiting for me. Like I, I will always be a sinner. This, this will not change. Yes. I will be sanctified throughout life, but like there are these parts of me that will be there. And for me, it's like, overthinking or ruminating on a specific situation. And um, it's nice to be able to think like you don't have to shut those down. Like that's kind of what I think is like true about me today. Like this is what's going on for me today and being Mm -hmm. able to feel my feelings and then hopefully move on from just like kind of, you know, silence can turn into like prayer, not so much like praying just my circumstances, but hopefully that time usually moves into like, um, prayers more of truth and, um, not so much just like, Oh, this is so hard. This thing I'm going through, which I think there's a place for that, but not just praying my circumstances, also praying the truth that's in you know, scripture. And I haven't read the next chapter yet, but I know it's about scripture and I'm, I'm really excited about that. Cause I feel like that's something that, um, 
I just want to know her thoughts on because like you said in the beginning, like her promptings are so gentle. And that's why I think this is also helpful to me. Um, And I think a lot of the promptings around like scripture reading aren't gentle. It's like very black and white. Do this. Do it enough. Mm -hmm. And so I'm I'm excited to see what's going to come from that. Yeah, me too. I think it's going to be great. But yeah, I I think what you're saying I resonate with because I'm thinking through, I mean, I suppose there can be several experiences within solitude, but when I think about when it says to share what is true about you today, mm-hmm. I feel like there, it's like, it's, it's first and foremost, what is honestly happening. Like if me and God were having coffee, we would be like, okay, how are you really doing? Mm-hmm. And I think that there's it's challenging to first go through and figure out what that is. But then also what you're saying, and tell me if I'm wrong, but we also add in this layer of like, yes, we can be feeling all of these things and we're we're being honest and transparent before God. And still, we know um, that we are loved by God and that He is here and listening. And, you know, we lean on certain promises within scripture. And so it just becomes a mixture, I suppose. Um, At least that's kind of how I approach it, I think, because, yeah, I don't know. I guess it depends. Um, Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think it can be both. I think I can have a tendency like when I'm, you know, and this is probably true for a lot of people, like um, like my go-to cognitive distortion is always personalizing things. But I notice when I'm like in a place of more like mental health struggles that like black and white thinking just like really comes in, like it has to look exactly like this. But it's so true. Like there's room for both. There's room for like, what is going on in your life today? What are your circumstances? And also room for, um, you know, reminders of like this, everything I'm going through is going to be strengthened by divine love or by the fact that I am greatly loved or maybe not strengthened, but it's going to be I'm going to be okay because I am greatly loved. Um, And so, yeah, Mm -hmm. I I agree. There's room for for both there. Yeah. So as we moved on in this chapter, she eventually started talking about technology. And this is rough because I know you have a lot of thoughts. I think you have some thoughts on technology or maybe just social media. I don't know if you feel that they're – one in the same. They're not, but yeah. <laughs> I sometimes am just like I I once heard this quote and I can't remember who said it, but it was like we cannot come to a place where we think that we've always had technology. Like we can't we can't come to this place that's like yes, technology is just default part of our life because it's not. Like there was a very large percentage of humanity that did not have any technology. And so sometimes I'm just like, what would that be like? Like so much of my life right now we're using technology. 
Like, how do I, what does this boundary of technology look like practically for someone who works from home and has some relatives that don't live in the state and, you know, is recording a podcast or whatever? How do we figure that out? Yeah, I wish I knew. I mean, yeah, I don't have like clear thoughts around this. So I deleted Instagram whenever I did that. I don't remember when that was, but I guess sometime in the past year or the past two years. And that's been a good change. I feel like it just cluttered my life so much and so many of the people who like were following my personal account weren't people who are really receptive to how I was like changing, which is basically just becoming a Christian. And it just didn't feel like a pleasant place for me. But um, just in this past couple of weeks, like I have missed following, um, I'll name drop, uh, Willow Crowns. She is just like this mom. I met her once at an event in Houston. Um, and I just like how much of a, like a sturdy leader she is for her home. Um, and it's just a really good model for me that how she is doesn't come naturally to me. And it's not a, like a harmful comparison thing for me. Like I find her, her content really helpful. Um, and not like, Oh, like I wish I could be like that. Cause, cause I don't, cause we're, she and I are, are very different. But it's just been interesting because I'm like, oh, am I like going to get Instagram again? And I might. I wish you could have more say over like uh, I'm just speaking to Instagram specifically here. But like I wish you could turn off the explore page. Like if if I could do that, mm-hmm. I'd be back on in an instant. Um, but I I don't you can't. And so um that's kind of like a tangent on Instagram, but I remember my therapist said to me, like, anytime we move backwards, it's good. And she was speaking like specifically about technology because like some parts of technology, some parts of these advancements like have kept us from being at rest. And I'm pretty sure that's exactly what Ruth said mm-hmm. too. Um, and I, I agree with that. Like, we can just end up so cluttered because we always have access to stuff around us. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. yes, give me all the distractions. And it's, it it works until it doesn't, it works until it doesn't fulfill you and you feel very empty. Um, But I think there are times when I can be a mindful consumer of content out there. Like Mm -hmm. on Monday mornings, there's something I, I read on Tuesday mornings. There's a podcast I listen to. Um, it's just kind of the creep of noise into my life that I notice happens. Um, and I feel like technology has allowed that to happen. So I don't know. I, I don't like being bored. Technology is fun. <laughs> so I, yeah. I don't know. What are your thoughts? I don't know. I mean, she she has a sentence here. It says, I am noticing that the more I fill my life with the convenience of technology, the emptier I become in the places of my deepest longing. And I'm just like, mm, yeah. 
Like, I, I'm not anti-technology, obviously, but I think that there are some serious implications that we just aren't aware of because it hasn't been around at this capacity for longer than like one lifetime. So I don't know. I sometimes I'm like, well, no one's gonna be setting that boundary for me except me. So it's it's sort of a matter of like, what do I feel comfortable with? What am I okay with with the available information that I have, which is in my experience, if I'm spending hours a day scrolling, I feel more anxious and I actually feel more isolated. But I do enjoy consuming certain types of content that I find enriching, whether it's about interior design or listening to a podcast of a church that I would never go to in person from time to time or something like that. But it's just like, I think what you said, being a mindful consumer and having just the ability to make that decision instead of what usually happens or what can happen, which is just we're totally passive. And like social media is passive. Like we are, we are watching. We are not engaging unless we are the one creating the content, I suppose. I mean, I guess you could say commenting is engaging, but it's really not. It's not the same as having a conversation with someone. So I don't know. I would never, I don't think I would ever cut it out, but it's just, it's one of these things where for me and my personality and my lifestyle, it's, it doesn't always make me feel good at all. And so I just need to be really careful with what, what, what I'm conserving and when I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I feel the same. I I don't even know about creating content. I just I think I just felt like being quiet for a while and that's been helpful, especially like um before we got on I was talking to you about this, but like pregnancy is like prenatal depression. That's probably the the most depression I ever experienced. And like, I don't really feel like talking about that. Like I, I have my people, I have my small group, I have my therapist, I have my husband, I have my sisters, I have my mom, but like, and my mother-in-law and I, I have people to support me in that. And um, I feel like when I was putting out so much content that was so deeply personal which I feel like is different than, you know, like what you're doing with this podcast. It's like educational and informative and um, we hope people enjoy it. But like when I was putting out such personal content, like there was just such a, a void of intimate relationships in my life where I didn't feel like safe in like sharing deeply with others. And um, I, I've just been thinking about that and I've come to some conclusions that I can't remember now, but I, I think that was a big driver for me. And I don't know, we're all just doing the best we can. Like if that's why mm-hmm. someone shares, like, I, I think that's fine. You know, we're just, we're, we're all just trying. Um, but I don't think that can ever lead to fulfilling community. Like, Oh, this is what I was mm-hmm. have been thinking about. Like it's not safe to share with strangers who don't know and care about you deeply. Like they, 
they will reject you. <laughs> they will at some point tell you why why you're wrong in an unloving way. And it, it's just not an environment I feel like I wanted to be part of anymore. And so um, and in the book, I know Ruth was talking about like just kind of the constant stimulation of life. And I felt like sharing my life, I don't know, it it played into that. Um, and just technology in general, like it fuels this addiction to like noise and words and activity that I feel like I can be drawn to. But like, I think I'm less and less drawn to it now that I've experienced more like chillness and like but there's still times where I get, you know, dysregulated by one thing or another in life. And I'm just like, give me all the distraction. Like I can't be alone with this. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, I think it's a process for, for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely don't want to give off the impression that I'm like judging someone who, who really enjoys technology. I think, I don't think that's what we're saying, but it's just, And that's why I put in the description of this podcast, like, it's great. I would love for people to join the Facebook community and and talk about this. But the reality is I really hope that you can have community in person with someone because there's just really nothing like it. And I think the pandemic has set us back, at least our generation, in a lot of ways because now it's just like the norm. Like we're just alone all the time. And I literally thank God because I found community last year for the first time since moving to this area where I feel like I really found it. And it has absolutely changed everything. Like it has made just living a lot more enjoyable. Um, And it reminded me how much I like people. And I like being able to share life with them. And I feel like that also goes back to what Jesus modeled for us, like being with a community of people that you feel close with. He had his disciples that he called. And that was really what he did before he began his ministry. Like he called his people to join him. And even in this chapter, we uh, she talks about Mark chapter 6 where Jesus had just commissioned the disciples for ministry, had given them the authority to cast out demons, preach the gospel, and heal the sick. And just that these were like exciting times, but also very demanding physically. And Jesus is continually telling them to go back and be alone and like rest, go to the solitary place because that's what you're going to need. And I just find it so interesting that we have these models that obviously look different now, but it's like the same basic principles of being in community, simplifying your life, and finding time to rest, finding time to be with God, finding time to pray, and everything like that. So I find that really cool. Yeah. I'm like, why is it so hard to to realize we need rest and to take that rest. Like, I don't know. It's, it's just such a, it's, it's such a challenge for me. And I think there's other issues like, okay, I would have to ask for help to get rest and, 
what does that bring up? Like, it, it's more of like social dynamics than like, I can do it on my own. Like, I, I don't feel that. Like, I'm okay needing help. But I think there can be things that like get in the way of rest. And I know, like Ruth talked about, like, going to these like solitude retreats, like for an entire day or multiple days. And that really interests me and like also terrifies me. Like I never have done well at summer camps. Like I went to a women's church retreat a couple weekends ago and was completely just like, it it was a really great experience, but I was also completely exhausted by it. I was going to say obliterated, but I'm like, that's a little harsh. Um, But (laughs) even at the retreat, I was like, I, well, well, now that I'm thinking like the exhausting parts of that is like the expectation to have to be on all weekend. And the first night of the retreat, um, one of the women from the church, she like was speaking and she was like, you know, I really hope this weekend can be about intimacy with God, you know, kind of like a a call to not have to feel the pressure to talk to anyone. Um, or even if you're in a conversation to kind of just be like, I'm, I'm going to go um, and just take some time for myself. Uh, and I, I like that she like called that out and was like, this is acceptable. This is okay to do here. Like, this is what we want. We want this weekend to be about intimacy with God. And so if you need to, you know, retreat into silence, just do it. And I still felt like that was not socially acceptable to do. Um, And then like, you know, some women came up for just the day. And so then they missed that talk. And I'm like, they don't know it's socially acceptable to just leave conversations like the other people who've arrived. <laughs> so it was just like, I, I couldn't do it, but it, it circling back, like, have you ever done like a extended solitude time, like on a retreat or um, I don't know, some kind of silent retreat thing ever? No, I have not, but I love that she prefaced it like that because I think the expectation is probably what kills us. Like, mm. but um, I I haven't. I have done. I've certainly done like a day by myself if my husband was like away for work or something. But it's genuinely not my preference. <laughs> so it's something that I have to. I guess I just have to remember that it's important, if that makes sense. Like, and maybe this is just because I have so many distractions, but it's not always common for me to want to be alone, like, for an extended period of time. And I know she talked about how, like, the longing for solitude is the longing for God. And I think sometimes I long for God but I wish it could be not through solitude. (laughs) Like I wish it could be through something else and it can, I mean, of course he's like everywhere, but I think that that's just me being afraid to be by myself or be like with my own thoughts because I have had seasons where my thoughts were just terrifying. And so it's probably something I should work on, <laughs> but I I think just even today taking like a 20 or 30 minute walk and having solitude, like that was a really great step for me. And so 
the idea of a solitude retreat eventually I think would be cool, but I don't think I'm ready for it at this time. Yeah. I just, I don't even know what it would like be like. I'm like, what a, maybe a couple hours or, <laughs> or something, but that's interesting about like, you know, you don't really long to be alone most of the time. Like mm-hmm. I, I love my people and then I really do like to be alone quite a bit um, just because I find like, I don't know all the reasons. I think I find just conversation and expectations kind of exhausting sometimes. And like, I mean, even like recording this, I, I really like doing this, but like, and I feel like I learned so much from Ulyssa and I like so enjoy this. Um, but I'm such an observer, like I could just listen to your talk and you talk and say like, hmm, interesting this whole time. But like, <laughs> I have to kind of like rally and like, and it wouldn't be like a facetious, like, hmm, interesting. Like it would be like, yes, I, ju- I just like hearing people talk. And so I love the expectation yeah. to not have to respond and just be able to like observe and listen. I think that's what mm-hmm. I like. And Ruth shared in the book, like, her experience of being on one of these, you know, solitude retreats and the relief of knowing she wasn't going to have to talk to anyone at lunch or serve anyone lunch. And um, she was like moved to tears by that. Like someone is going to be fixing me a meal with no expectations. And she was like, how have I gotten this far without knowing like I don't have to work or do I can just be um demand feels or felt of like having to be a good parent and a good wife and work responsibilities and attempting to be a good neighbor and a good Christian had all like worn her down so completely. And I, I resonated with all that, just like the relief of knowing I'm not going to have to like, I don't even know what it is, um, contribute or or work for it. Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna like, show up and be, and I'm loved. And I think that, you know, I'm realizing that really appeals to me with, with silence with the Lord. Yeah. So I'm curious, what do you like to do when you're alone? Because this is a, this is like, I think I get bored easily and I've been practicing just like letting myself be bored. And also if you would have seen me like five years ago, you'd be like, wow, you're like alone. Like you can do it, <laughs> but five years ago I was a mess. It was, but anyway. So I think when what I'm, what I get stuck on sometimes is like when I am alone for an extended period of time. What should I do? Sometimes I'll paint, but sometimes I'll just like start doing more work because I'm like, what should I do right now? Mm. Yeah. I don't know if I have a great answer. I remember one time I was at my parents' like lake house with a friend and I just like went kayaking by myself. And I remember her being like, I would never think to go do that by myself. And I was just like, what? Like, <laughs> like I, I love like doing stuff by myself. Like I love, I guess this isn't necessarily like alone, but um, you know, in studio yoga classes and I, I, lo- I love doing all that stuff alone, even though I'm not like with people, I'm not in community with people. Like I'm not talking to people. I might be participating in an event. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I think there are distractions when I'm alone 
maybe I would read a client gave me the idea to listen to all the Harry Potters again. And that's been amazing <laughs> on Audible. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know if it's always downtime. I do like to garden. Um, that's been fun. But all these things come in waves. I feel like none of this is like a mainstay. It's just like it's in, it's out. And then repeat mm-hmm. for, I guess, the next 70 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just interesting to think about because I I think that there are some people who like genuinely just like to be by themselves and do things. And I guess I do sometimes, but it's it's definitely not my preferred approach. So for me, like solitude is probably the hardest spiritual practice. But it also can be really life-giving if I just get past like the what if of like, what is this going to be like? And I just like go do it. So anyway, I think that's just kind of fun to talk about. Is there anything else we wanted to touch on for this chapter? I think I'm going to read the practice like I did last time. Um, I'm like looking back through my notes. I think we hit everything. I mean, yeah, the last thing I have is some things on the activity, but you'll, you'll say them all when you read it. So yeah, that sounds like a good ending. Okay, cool. Okay. So this is the practice. It says, choose a place that feels comfortable and safe to you. A place that allows you to be open and available to God, a favorite chair at home, your own backyard, if it's quiet, or even a nearby chapel, if you have access to one. Settle into a comfortable position in your body and sit quietly for a few moments, breathing deeply, becoming aware of God's presence with you and your desire to be present with God. Sit quietly at the base of the tree that is your life and begin to notice what is true about you these days. Don't rush or try to make anything happen. Let your soul venture out and say something to you that perhaps you have had a hard time acknowledging. Is there a particular joy you are celebrating, a loss you are grieving, Are there tears that have been waiting to be shed, a question that is stirring, an emotion that needs expression? Stir with what comes into your awareness, becoming conscious of God's presence with you in that awareness. Don't try to do anything with what you are knowing except be with it. In other words, don't scare it away. Feel the difference between trying to fix it and just being with it. Feel the difference between doing something with it and resting with it. Feel the difference between trying to fight it and letting God fight for you. What does it mean for you to be still and let God fight or work for you in this particular area? Practice this way of entering into solitude regularly until it becomes routine for you to begin your times in solitude by being quiet and letting your soul come out and then rest in God's presence. You will likely be surprised at what your soul wants to say to God. There are many other ways of being with God in solitude, which we will explore later, but for now take time to allow this ability to rest in God become the foundation of your times in solitude.